0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Compliance Report International Edition, where we have Episode 4 of Compliance Man Goes Global. In this episode, Timur Kazanov-Batarov and I take a look at trainings, trainings, and trainings in emerging markets. The format of this podcast is that we take typical myths or the conventional wisdom regarding a compliance topic, this week's trainings, and we uh, break it down to see uh, whether the conventional wisdom or myths work in emerging markets. Tim and I both uh, debate this and discuss it and see where it may end up. I think you'll find it a very interesting format and certainly useful for your compliance training issues in emerging markets. The Compliance Report International Edition is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode of the Compliance Report International Edition with Compliance Man Goes Global with my colleague, Tim uh, Kazanov-Batarov. Uh, and I'm sure I butchered that yet. Once again, Tim, I'm really sorry. But uh, back for another episode in our continuing series. As I said, on Compliance Man Goes Global today, we are going to talk about trainings, trainings and trainings in each episode of Compliance Man Goes Global. We focus on some typical myths and mistakes uh, regarding compliance training particularly focusing, focusing on Tim's expertise of international and emerging markets. We do so in a QA and a format where we throw out a myth or what I would call a conventional piece of conventional wisdom and uh, take a look at it from the in-house compliance practitioner's perspective. We debate and question whether these concepts work in emerging markets. So uh, Tim has focused on uh, embedding compliance programs in high-risk markets, and he really leads the uh, thought leadership on that part of our discussion. So uh, Tim, with that somewhat long-winded introduction, uh, maybe we could just jump right into it because I think we have some really interesting and even important points today. Are you ready? Yes, Tom. I am ready. All right. Let me throw out myth number one, or what I would say, conventional wisdom number one, which is compliance. Inter- excuse me, compliance training is not entertainment. It is a very serious thing. Such trainings are about anti-corruption, anti-bribery, criminal enforcement, and consequently, not only could be delivered, but should be delivered by highly trained legal professionals who may or may not be a part of the compliance temp- team. So, uh, Tim, um, I'm a lawyer. I think you're a lawyer, aren't you, as well? Yes, sir. I'm a lawyer. So there, uh, you know, should should people like us be delivering this training or uh, what maybe are your thoughts or more importantly, how does it work in emerging markets?
1: Well, that's a good question, Tom. So as a lawyer, let me try to defend this position. So... Obviously, the training should cover anti-corruption matters based on corporate law rules, local and applicable and uh, extraterritorial legislations, like FCPA, for instance. Referring to relevant enforcement cases from the specific ease industry is vital to make training close to reality. That's what I have seen in practice. Should we have as trainers only lawyers, for example, from compliance team? I would say yes. Lawyers are expected to to know and naturally are close to such things as legislation, corporate rules, and the like. What else? Now let's discuss if compliance training could be delivered in entertaining form. As we remember, Tom, maybe 10 years ago, compliance trainings uh, were or supposed to be dull and lengthy. They were, so to say, the best cure to fight insomnia. Now we have the opposite situation. In attempts to be modern and fancy, we have appealing, funny, and entertaining compliance shows. The problem is that the content of training in many such cases becomes something secondary after the form of delivery. So, what, what do you think, Tom?
0: Well, um, you really raise or this myth, I think, raises some really interesting uh, questions that really can become problems. And so let me, let me unpack both of those, Tim. The first one on having lawyers as compliance trainers. Uh, I have sat through compliance training by lawyers, uh, eight hours of compliance training, 268 slides in a PowerPoint deck as detailed a discussion of anti-corruption laws, at least in the United States, which, of course, was the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, as you could want. Uh, What I found in those types of presentations that literally within 10 to 15 minutes, the business people, if they weren't asleep, uh, their mind had wandered elsewhere. And so um, having lawyers take that kind of deep dive, I think, is is extraordinarily counterproductive. If you look to other corporate disciplines, such as HR, you often see non-lawyers putting on HR training. Now, I recognize that's a different focus, anti-discrimination, anti-harassment, things like that, but um, I think the key component is uh, some knowledge of the law, and in most countries, in the United States included, uh, the anti-corruption law is is relatively short. There are relatively few legal cases to discuss, and its key points can be summarized um, Fairly easily. And my summary is under the FCPA, thou shalt not bribe, part one, part two. If thou does bribe, thou must record it in thou's books and records as a bribe. So it's, it's the basic concepts of the law are pretty simple. And I think that, uh, training now has really evolved towards something more akin to ethics or culture or trying to put the right values in front of people to, to literally do the right thing. So uh, having a, a lawyer, a lawyer can do that, but I think maybe what we're we're trying to say is a lawyer can put on training, but they can't do legalistic training, and I've certainly seen that fail uh, going forward. The uh, the second point, though, on entertaining, um, I, I have to say I struggle with this one because uh, it's really, uh, I feel, as I said, training should be about corporate, corporate culture and values. Um, that is going to work for some people. Um, but typically, when you have a higher risk individual, whether that higher risk person be a salesperson, whether that be a financial controller who uh, is actually looking over the uh, payments to be made, there they really needs to be an in-person person focused training tailored to that high risk that they are um, facing. So uh, certainly training can be entertaining. I think your idea that having some type of current events or uh, other um, tangible things that um, people can relate to is important, whether that be in the news, whether that be sporting events, uh, you know, kind of you name it, that certainly gets people thinking and um, but uh, at some point, you do have to, to deliver a fairly stern message, I think, when appropriate. And uh, the thing that I would uh, ask people to consider is what type of training is going to be effective for the audience you're trying to reach. And I know we're going to talk about that briefly in the, uh, the second myth. So uh, maybe what are some of uh, your thoughts on my comment?
1: Well... Thank you for giving me, for sharing with me this idea that training should not be legalistic, right? That's the problem, I think, which lawyers faced. Sometimes we use the terminology, sometimes, frankly, we even don't understand by, the, by ourselves what we're trying to deliver because we have something to say, but we didn't think about the effectiveness. And when you are saying that it might be uh, uh, in even in entertaining form, I mean, I mean the training. I, I also agree with you, but we have to think about the result, about the message which you want to deliver. And here, I fully share your views, Tom.
0: So uh, maybe that uh, is a great lead into uh, myth number two, which is do not complicate things, and that there's real no no need to evaluate compliance training. It's about communicating the rules.
1: So what do you think about this myth, Tim? A local compliance officer conducts this training. Formally, everything is fine. In reality, participants understand nothing. There is another important point, and here, Tom, if you allow me, I will reveal some of our secrets. This is a topic which we discussed with you and we think is very important to raise. It's about cooperation between compliance people and management on the ground. So I think it's very important and here I fully support your views to get engagement and get ownership over compliance and ethics not solely uh, within the compliance person but with the business leader as well. So as a practical tip we might think about having uh business leader or supervisor of the target audience as a your co-speaker. I think that's, that, that that works at emerging markets and it worked in many cases which I have uh, faced before. What do you think Tom?
0: So this area is one that um, I think is becoming much more important. Uh, certainly from the U.S. Department of Justice's perspective. And and I think there's really two points to it. The first is, how does a company test effectiveness? And in the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document released in February, it really uh, crystallized some of the speeches the Department of Justice had given around um, effectiveness. So uh, you've got to evaluate the training, but you've got to do it in a way that people are comfortable with giving you good feedback and people uh, are going to give you uh, honest uh, answers. So that's sort of point one. But the second point I'd like to raise, Tim, is that it's uh, more than just effectiveness. And we touched on this on myth one. The second thing the Department of Justice wants you to do is tailor your training to the group. So if you're dealing with an administrative assistant, that's going to be a very different type of training for a salesperson. So um, the question is how how can you eva- evaluate the effectiveness of this? I think uh, surveys are certainly important, um, but uh, people have to feel comfortable, and they have to feel comfortable um, – Giving you the, uh, the the fair amount of information. So on your your points there, I think are absolutely spot on. Um, the thing I would like our audience to really recognize is this is an area the Department of Justice in the United States, and my guess would be other regulators across the world are really starting to focus on. Five years ago, they may have said, "Well, if if Tom Fox or or Tim were putting on training." Uh, let's just see your slide deck, and that might be good, and en- might have been good enough. But now that's not good enough anymore. They want to see how effective was the training that you guys put on, and how do you know it was effective? So, in other words, uh, what's the data to support your hypothesis? Um, the um, uh, and that's really, I think, where training uh, is going to be going. Whether you call it evaluation, whether you call it the effectiveness. And many um, uh, compliance practitioners really need to to think through this. So uh, what would you kind of in summary, Tim, believe are some of the key takeaways uh, from our discussion on training today?
1: Well, I have made some notes here. So compliance training should not be a formal and irrelevant to audience find ways to tailor your session so your messages will be delivered and appreciated by the audience. Your training should not be just a legalistic session which nobody will be able to understand. You have to make trainings which allow people to give you honest answers and you have to do a tailored training for the audience for whom you are doing your session. So I think these are Key takeaways for me from our today's conversation.
0: So, Tim, I'd like to ask you maybe uh, to follow up on one point you touched on, which is the importance of the compliance practitioner from the corporate home office really working to understand the challenges of doing compliance in an emerging mar- in an emerging market, and that can be if the corporate home office is in Moscow or. Beijing, and they're going to a different company. Excuse me, a, a different country, or even a, a more rural region. What would you advise the corporate home office compliance practitioner to do to really help uh, their compliance program in an emerging market?
1: Tom, thanks for raising this question because it's very important for for our emerging markets reality. First of all, it's about tailoring what you have said. I I know cases from practice, unfortunately, and some of them just of very recent nature, when trainings which were delivered were just not tailored per the specific country. So the headquarters, probably towards the United States or any other country, doesn't matter, sent uh, the instruction for the local compliance manager to, to do training. And he did. He did training for the audience, which was not prepared to to understand what what he was talking about because it was a very legalistic this first point the second point it was not tailored per the audience as you have said if you are doing a training for the administrative assistant it should differ from the training for the salesperson so i would recommend people from the headquarters to pay attention to the following please uh try to understand, first of all, that it's good to have a PPT from the big law firm, you know, which covers all aspects of the FCPA, but it doesn't necessarily mean that somewhere in an emerging country this will be delivered properly and will be understood properly. Meaning, as you have said, the effectiveness of this type of training might be of a very minimal. The second thing, local legislations. Please have in mind that uh, you have to comply with local laws when you are doing trainings or delivering any messages of legal nature in each particular country. So I would recommend to make the uh, the legal expertise of the uh, educational materials for, for each particular country by local experts as compliance team members or, or um, uh, in-house legal team. So... The training should be tailored and it should comply with local legislation. Those are two big points which I wanted to raise answering your question, Tom.
0: Well, Tim, uh, once again, this has been a fascinating discussion. I think the challenges of doing compliance in emerging markets are are something that uh, really needs uh, to be put on the the front burner of many uh, compliance organizations. And I wanted to thank you again for helping us understand some of the challenges that you've actually faced in your compliance career. So I look forward to uh, continuing our discussion on Compliance Man Goes Global. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Compliance Report International Edition, where Tim Kajanov-Badarov and I took a look at Compliance Man Goes Global with Episode 4 of Trainings, Trainings, and Trainings. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast, as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only compliance podcast focused on an international issue. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Compliance Report International Edition, and I hope you will join us again next week for another uh, episode. The Compliance Report International Edition is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.